Well, the, the message uh, uh, today, since it's Father's Day, I was going to preach a, a manly sermon about some manly man from the Bible, but I changed my mind. Uh, instead, there's a story about a woman and her husband that is about parenting. It's about dedicating our children to God that I thought would be very important for, for all of us. It's a, it's a great parenting story, among other things. Um, so, um, and it applies to everyone who is a parent or who has had a parent. Uh, it applies to you. Uh, it's the story of a father named Elkanah. Uh, but mostly, I guess, it's the story of a woman named Hannah and her son. So I want to begin reading the story to you in, in, the, in 1 Samuel, the very first chapter. There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zephite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Joram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite, he had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his own town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. And whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. And this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. So Elkanah was a man with, with good heritage. He came from a wealthy family and people with really weird names like Tohu and Zuf. And I have to tell you that this week as I was writing this sermon, it drove the spell check on my computer crazy. <laughs> but Elkanah was faithful to God. Every year he made the pilgrimage to Shiloh, which was where the ark was kept. And, and this was before there was a temple. And so the, the ark was believed to be the place where, where, where you would find the presence of God. And so the ark was in Shiloh. And this, you know, this not not Noah's ark. This was the ark of the covenant. The raiders of the lost ark, that ark, was at Shiloh. And that's where people would go to worship God once a year on this big pilgrimage. And Elkanah had two wives. One was named Peninnah, which means pearl. The other wife was named Hannah, which means grace. And Pearl had several children, but Hannah didn't have any. And in those days, there was more involved than just the sadness of not being able to have children if you wanted to have children. In those days, that was considered the duty of the wife was to provide children. And so Hannah also saw herself as less than others. But Elkanah loved Hannah. As a matter of fact, he loved Hannah more than Pearl. And so he tried to make Hannah happy. And uh, Pearl, of course, resented the fact that he loved Hannah more than her. And so she did everything she could to make Hannah miserable. She was always showing pictures of her children and bragging and doing all this kind of stuff until uh, Hannah would get so upset that she would just cry and not eat. And that's where we find ourselves this morning. That's the background 
of our story of just one more happy biblical family. Now listen to verse 8. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Now I want to talk to the men for just a minute. Uh, ladies, you can talk among yourselves if you want. But here is a really important biblical lesson for us guys. Because he finds his wife in tears. She won't eat. And he wants to comfort her as we often do. But he didn't know how and he blew it as we often do. And, and, and so guys, this is an important life lesson, marriage lesson from the Bible. If you ever find your wife in tears, upset, won't eat. Do not, I repeat, do not say to her, why are you so upset, honey? After all, you've got me. <laughs> That's what Elkanah told her. Oh, honey, why are you upset? You got me. Now, we're not told what Hannah's response was. But whatever it was, they couldn't print it in the Bible. So, so when they got to Shiloh, Hannah went to the tabernacle, and it was a tent, basically, where the Ark of the Covenant was kept inside. And she knelt outside, and she prayed, and she wept, and she prayed, and she poured out her heart to God, asking that God would bless her with a child. And Eli, uh, who's the head priest, he saw her praying, and she was praying with such passion that Eli thought she was drunk. And he went over to her and started getting on to her for, for coming to the, the ark, the temple, you know, the tabernacle drunk. And she told him, she said, she's not drunk. She's just pouring her heart out to God. And when she told Eli that, Eli told her that God had heard her prayer. And so Hannah went away. And then nine months later, Hannah was the mother of a son. And she named him Samuel. And it's hard, uh, I, it's not hard to imagine how much she loved that boy. Uh, and she understood something that each of us who are blessed enough to be parents should never forget that every single child is a gift from God. It's, it's not the result of a random biological function. Every child is a gift of God. So down in verse 21, when her husband Elkanah went up with all of his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. There's so much pathos in these verses. It was time to go back to Shiloh for the, for the annual sacrifice, and Hannah didn't want to go. Elkanah thought it was time to take Samuel and give him over to Eli like they had promised but Hannah didn't want to, and she said, wait till he's weaned, and then, and then we'll bring him to the priest. 
And in the Middle East in those days, children were weaned at about two to three years of age. I can only imagine the pain that Hannah must have gone through. Following through on her vow to dedicate her child to God was more painful than she imagined. All the other mothers laughed and celebrated when their children learned to sit on their own. But not Hannah. She knew she was just one day closer to having to give him up. And the other mothers bragged when their children started to walk, but not Hannah. And along with joy, as his first steps came, along with uh, the joy of saying his first words, it reminded her that she would just have to teach him to say goodbye. It's easy for us to say we want to dedicate our children to God. It is more painful than we realize if we're serious about that promise. Because if we are sincere in dedicating our children to God, then it means that we will be sincere about teaching our children to follow Jesus. And that's hard. Because if we teach our children to follow Jesus, and they do, then they'll be swimming upstream in our culture. We'll teach them to forgive in a culture that values getting revenge. We'll teach them to be generous in a culture where so many are only interested in taking. We will teach them to love people that most other folks laugh at. We'll teach them to love in a society where compassionate people are often seen as weak and as an easy mark. We'll teach them to love God with all their mind in a culture that gleefully rejects the truth and facts in exchange for their own tribal narrative. We'll teach them to love and care for the least of these in a culture that worships wealth and power. And if they seriously follow Jesus, it will cause them pain and difficulty like it does for any of us. But it's the best life I know. It's the life God created us to live. And in that struggle, we develop the character that God wants us to have. And from that character, we live into a joy that nothing else can provide. And in the midst of hardships that come from following Jesus, the image of God in us is restored. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you've weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed home and she nursed her son until she had weaned him. And after he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought them to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And when the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood there beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted to me what I ask of him. And so now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. So Elkanah was a partner with Hannah in keeping this vow. 
uh, as, as her husband in those days, he had the right to veto any vow that his wife made, even a vow to God. He could veto it, but he didn't because they were in this together. And he and Hannah were both faithful to keep their word. And uh, by the way, this, uh, this boy Samuel turned out to be pretty big news in Israel. So she arrived at Shiloh and she turned young Samuel over to Eli. And Hannah said two things. The first thing she said is, I prayed for this child. To dedicate our children to God means to pray for them. When they're young and at home, it means we pray with them and we teach them how to pray. And when they get older and leave home, it means we keep right on praying for them. <laughs> Every single day, we pray. We never stop praying. And then Hannah said, so now I give him to the Lord. Hannah fulfilled her vow. Samuel came as a gift from God, from God to her. And now she cared for him as best as she knew how. That's all God asks of any of us. Each child is given to us as a gift. And God knows when, when they're given to us, we don't know what we're doing. I remember when our first child was born, and it was time to leave the hospital, and they handed that little girl to Cindy and I and showed us the door. And I was thinking, you, you can't be serious. You can't send us home with this baby. We have no idea what we're doing. Now, I had a little more confidence with the next two, but I was still always a little nervous. You know, when Cindy and I got married, I had three theories on parenting, but no children. Now I have three adult children and no theories left. <laughs> children are a gift. They're a gift from God. We love them as best we can. We try to teach them that the God who created everything that exists loves them and will always love them. And we try to help them become the human beings that God created them to be. And every day we thank God for trusting us with them. And then the day comes when they're no longer under our roof. And we give them back to the God who gave them to us. Now, it's ironic that we have a hard time trusting God because God trusted us with them. So we can trust God with them as we give them back to the Lord. So it's Father's Day. And I wish for all of you fathers a great day. I hope you feel celebrated. For everyone who's had the privilege to be a parent, it's a great day. Children are a gift. We love them. We teach them what it means to be a good human. We do the best we can. We pray for them every single day. And then we trust them to God. Happy Father's Day.